This is your boy Lo Jackson. We're doing Mark Twain this month. Thank you all for tuning back in. I believe that Mr. Mark Twain has been one of the greatest authors that I've covered so far doing this podcast. Obviously, I just started doing authors, but I can say that without a doubt, he's one of my favorites. I'm honestly thinking about going to Hannibal now and checking out the Mark Twain Museum. I thought I'd share with you guys, if you ever do decide to go to Hannibal, Missouri, uh, adults ages 18 to 59 are $14. Um, they have seniors are 12, students are 6. Ad, uh, admission, Mark Twain Museum only is $6. It's kind of cool. I think it's a museum worth visiting, that's for sure. He was a great writer. He was a great author, great son, great reader. Um, Twain describes his boyhood and life on the Mississippi, and that was the first podcast that I had shared with you guys. Um, Twain stating that there was but one permanent ambition among his comrades to be the steamboatman. Pilot was the grandest position of all. The pilot, even in those days of trivial wages, had princely salary from a hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty dollars a month and no board to pay. As Twain described it, the pilot's prestige exceeded that of the captain. The pilot had to get up a warm personal acquaintanceship with every snag and one-limbed cottonwood and every obscure woodpile that ornaments the banks of this river for 1,200 miles and more than that must actually know where these things are in the dark. Is that not crazy? I I found that to be um, really insightful about how... Um, a pilot's job is so um, so intense. You know, I'm, I'm sure on the Mississippi River it is, really, even to this day. Steamboat pilot Horace E. Bixby took Twain on a cub pilot to teach him the river between New Orleans and St. Louis for 500 bucks, payable out of Twain's first wages after graduating. Twain studied the Mississippi He uh, learned of its landmarks, he learned how to navigate its currents effectively, and how to read the river and its constantly shifting channels, reefs, um, snags, and rocks that would, you know, pretty much tear the life out of the strongest vessels that ever floated. I could only imagine... If any of you have ever been on a river or swam in a river, you know that there's certain points that it'll be one foot, then it'll be 12 foot. It's, it's, um, very, uh, it it takes a lot to memorize a river. It takes a lot of years, I think. Um, the river I grew up is a tributary of, um, the Mississippi and that's the Vermilion. And it was an interesting river. You couldn't take no boat up or down it, but it was a lot of fun when you're young. It um, it was more than two years before um, Twain received his pilot's license. Um, Piloting also gave Twain his pen name from uh, Mark Twain. The leadsman's cry for a measured river depth of two fathoms, 12 feet, 
is uh, two fathoms, which um, was safer water for a steamboat. And I believe that Robert Fulton um, invented the steamboat. Don't quote me on that, but I do believe that is true. As a young pilot, Clemens served on the steamer A.B. Chambers with Grant Marshall, who became famous for his exploits as a steamboat captain on the Missouri River. Um, Both of them liked and admired each other and and maintained a correspondence for many years after um, Clemens left the river and, you know, obviously became a writer and stuff. While training... Um, Samuel or Mark Twain uh, convinced his younger brother Henry to work with him and even arrange a post of mud clerk uh, for him on the steamboat Pennsylvania and um, a mud clerk was a helper or an all around worker aboard um, a steamboat and I thought I wanted to share that with you just because it's um, Mark Twain month and I find some of this stuff really informative just because nobody thinks about this stuff anymore. Um, let's see here. Uh, while training, he did that mud clerk job. Uh, Samuel uh, Clemens did the mud clerk job on the Pennsylvania. Then on June 13th, 1858, the steamboat's boiler exploded. Henry succumbed to his wounds on June 21st. Twain claimed to have uh, foreseen this death in a dream a month earlier, which inspired his interest in parapsychology. And um, parapsychology is the study of alleged psychic phenomenon, you know, like paranormal activities. But uh, he said that he dreamed about it, you know, a month before that. I thought, that's crazy. But it's true. I've had traumatic situations happen in my life where... I dreamed about it for three, three times in one week, and then the weekend came, and it all played out just like the dream. It only happened one time, but it was in my early teen years. It was it was a wild, wild night, I tell you that. It makes you feel crazy when stuff like that happens. Um, Twain was guilt-stricken and held himself responsible for the rest of his life um, for his um, friend's death. That was Henry, um, because you know the boiler had exploded and Henry died. Um, he continued to work on the river and was a river pilot up until the Civil War broke out. And um, in 1861, when traffic was uh, curtailed along the Mississippi River at the start of hostilities, he enlisted briefly in a local Confederate um, unit. He later wrote the sketch, The Private History of a Campaign That Failed, describing uh, how he and his friends had uh, been Confederate volunteers for two weeks before their unit disbanded. And um, he was a Confederate soldier. It's it's noted in um, 
many writings. Uh, he then left uh, for Nevada, where to, uh, he was going to do work for his brother, uh, Orion. Uh, Orion had become the Secretary of Nevada Territory at that time. So Twain des- describes the episode in uh, his book, Roughing It. Oh, because Orion, I think, yeah. Yeah, Orion became the Secretary of Nevada for um, Governor uh, James Nye, N-Y-E, in 1861. And, yeah, then Twain joined him, and he moved west. The brothers traveled more than two weeks on a stagecoach across the Great Plains and the Rocky Mountains, you guys. Uh, they visited the Mormon community in Salt Lake City also on their trip west. So that's kind of cool, you know. Could you imagine all the great ideas and all the different storylines and titles and thoughts that he had um, gathered on that glorious trip out there on a stagecoach? You know, Twain, uh, Twain's journey actually... Uh, ended in the silver mining town of Virginia City, Nevada, where uh, he became a miner on the Comstock. He failed as a miner, and then he went to work for the Virginia City newspaper, which I had told you that in previous podcasts. I find this to be awesome, right? This is the Only You Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Today I'm going to be reading The Five Boons of Life by Mr. Mark Twain. I feel this has been one of the greatest authors I've ever read about, even though I've always known about him. I hadn't revisited some of these books in so long. I grew up on the Mississippi River. Years ago when I was a teenager, my cousin actually had a friend that his parents owned a cabin there and he invited me to, well, my cousin invited me to go there for a weekend and go fishing on the Mississippi with him. And we wound up going to this dam and we caught fish all night long. This is a live podcast. And as you can hear people going by on their motorcycles and such, the birds chirping in the background and all the other noises you hear, um, but that time of my life on the Mississippi that night was those or that weekend. It was a wonderful May weekend. It was beautiful. And my cousin and I had such a great time and we really bonded, you know, and to just think that Mark Twain also grew up on that river and fished those banks and, you know, had adventures there. And the five boons of life goes like this. Chapter one. In the morning of life came a good fairy with her basket and said, Here are gifts, take one, leave the others, and be weary. Choose wisely, oh, choose wisely, for only one of them is valuable. The gifts were five, fame, love, riches, pleasure, death. The youth said eagerly, There is no need to consider, and he chose pleasure. He went out into the world and sought out the pleasures that youth delights in, but each in its turn was short-lived and disappointing, vain and empty, and each departing mocked him. In the end, he said, these years I have wasted, if I could 
but choose again, I would choose wisely. Chapter 2 The fairy appeared and said, Four of the gifts remain. Choose once more. Oh, remember, time is flying, and only one of them is precious. The man considered long, then chose love, and did not mark the tears that rose in the fairy's eyes. After many, many years, the man sat by a coffin in an empty home, and he communed with himself, saying, One by one they have gone away and left me, and now she lies here, the darkest and the last. Desolation after desolation has swept over me. For each hour of happiness, the treacherous traitor, love has sold me. I have paid a thousand hours of grief. Out of my heart of hearts, I curse him. Chapter 3 Choose Again It was the fairy speaking. The years have taught you wise, excuse me, the years have taught you wisdom. Surely it must be so. Three gifts remain. Only one of them has any worth. Remember it and choose warily. The man reflected long, then chose fame, and the fairy sighing went her way. Years went by, and she came again and stood behind the man where he sat solitarily in the fading day, thinking, and she knew his thoughts. My name filled the world, and its praises were on every tongue, and it seemed well with me for a little while. How little a while it was, then came envy, then distraction, then calamity, then hate, then persecution, then derision, which is the beginning of the end. The last of all came pity, which is the funeral of fame. Oh, the bitterness and misery of renown, target for mud in its prime for contempt and compassion in its decay. Chapter 4 Choose Yet Again It was the fairy's voice. Two gifts remain, and do not despair. In the beginning there was but one that was precious, and it is still here. Wealth, which is power. How blind I was, said the man. Now at last, life will be worth the living. I will spend, squander, dazzle. These mockers and despisers will crawl in the dirt before me and I will feed my hungry heart with their envy. I will have all luxuries, all joys, all enchantments of the spirit and contentments of the body that man holds dear. I will buy, buy, buy. Deference, respect, esteem, worship, every pinchback grace of life the market of a trivial world can furnish forth. I have lost much time and chosen badly 
heretofore, but let that pass. I was ignorant then, and could but take for best what seemed so. Three short years went by, and a day came when the man sat shivering in a mean garret, and he was gaunt and wan and hollow-eyed, and clothed in rags, and he gnawed a dust crust and a mumbling. Curse all the world's gifts for mockeries and gilded lies, and miscalled every one. They are not gifts, but merely leadings, pleasure, love, fame, riches. They are but temporary disguises for lasting realities, pain, grief, shame, poverty. The fairy said true, in all her store there was but one gift which was precious, only one that was not valueless. How poor and cheap, mean, I know those others now to be compared with that inestimable one. That dear and sweet and kind one that steeps in dreamless, enduring sleep the pains that persecute the body and the shames and griefs that eat the mind and heart. Bring it. I am weary. I would rest. Chapter 5 The fairy came, bringing again four of the gifts but death was wanting, she said. I gave it to a mother's pet, a child. It was ignorant, but trust me, asking me to choose for it. You didn't ask me to choose. Oh, miserable me, what is left for me? What not even you have deserved? The wanton insult of old age. The end. That was The Five Boons by Mark Twain. And this is the last segment of Mark Twain that I'm going to do this month. Hopefully you've enjoyed the information I've passed on to you about, you know, him being a pilot on the Mississippi on a steamboat. He was a Confederate soldier at one time. He worked in many different printing companies across the United States later on in life. He wore white for hygiene. You know, I tried to pass on some pretty good information. And I'm doing this podcast because I think that reading is really important. And I want to tell you guys some stuff that I've come across um, from the Beckman Institute, the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. Reading for pleasure can strengthen memory in older adults. Um, baseball may be America's favorite pastime, but in rankings of the most popular hobbies, reading is more consistently ranked highly it it's not hard to see why reading is simultaneously engaging and relaxing and it's fun to do alone and with friends a team of researchers at the beckman institute for advanced science and technology have uncovered yet another reason to love reading it may help preserve memory skills as people and their brains grow older their work is reported in Frontiers in Psychology, so it must be some kind of magazine. Um, 
here's somebody saying something that says leisure reading, the kind that really sucks you in is good for you. And it helps build the mental abilities on which reading depends. Said Beckman researchers, researcher Liz Stein Morrow, who is also the director of the adult learning lab, a faculty member in the department of educational psychology and the studies senior investigator. One of these mental abilities is episodic memory or memory for events, which allows us to remember what happened in previous chapters of a book and to make sense of the ongoing story. Another ability is working memory, the capacity to hold things in our minds as we engage in other mental processes. Working memory helps us keep track of things that's happened in recent um, paragraphs as we continue reading. Both episodic memory and working memory tend to decline as we get older, but habitual readers routinely practice these skills in different contexts. Is that not exciting? I thought I would share that with you guys because, I mean, it's important to read because it actually generates your cells to connect the dots um it it you know you get to foreshadow you get to you know you use all kinds of different parts of your memory and your cells you know get electrified by reading i feel i know mine do thank you guys for um following me thank you for listening to me i want to share another study with you that has to do with um reading um study finds reading information allowed to yourself improves memory you are more likely to remember something if you read it out loud a study from the university of waterloo has found a recent waterloo study found that speaking text aloud helps to get words into long-term memory dubbed the production effect The study determined that it is the dual action of speaking and hearing oneself that has the most beneficial impact on memory. This study confirms that learning and memory benefit from active involvement, said Colin M. McLeod, a professor and chair of the Department of Psychology at Waterloo, who co-authored the study with the lead author, postdoctoral fellow Noah Foran. When we add an active measure or a production element to a word, that word becomes distinct and long-term memory and hence more memorable. The study tested four methods for learning written information, including reading silently, hearing someone else read, listening to a recording of oneself reading, and reading aloud in real time. Results from tests with 95 participants showed that the production effect of reading information aloud to yourself resulted in the best remembering. When we consider the practical applications of this research i think of seniors who are advised to do puzzles and crosswords to help strengthen their memory these studies suggest that the idea of action or activity also improves memory and we know the regular exercise and movement are also strong building blocks for a good memory said professor McLeod. 
This research builds on previous studies by Professor McLeod, Dr. Foran, and colleagues that measure the production effect of activities such as writing and typing words in enhancing overall memory retention. This latest study shows that part of the memory benefit of speech stems from it being personal and self-referential. And thank you guys for listening, and thank you for following me. This has been a wonderful month of Mark Twain, and hopefully you get exciting. You get exciting, duh. Hopefully you get excited about reading, and hopefully you get out there and find some stuff to pick up and read and kind of look over, and hopefully you enjoy this podcast and continue coming back and continue listening, following, and sharing me, and we can be friends to the end, like Chucky, you know? <laughs> Just kidding. But hey, till next time. This next month, though, I'm going to do another great author. I can't wait to share him.